0: Chapter Fourteen of Snarled Identities. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Snarled Identities by Nicholas Carter. Chapter Fourteen. Cray calls on Mrs. Simpson. It was quite early in the afternoon when Jack Cray reached New Pelham, and during his journey to that outlying suburb, he had plenty of time in which to think about a plan of action using as a basis Gordon's suggestion that he should present himself as a fellow employee of the Missing Simpson. Cray walked briskly through the little town, having inquired the direction in which Floral Avenue lay, and soon came to a steep hill. On the top of the hill the detective stopped to mop his brow, and as he did so, his keen eyes took in every detail of the scene that lay before him. There was not much of it, just a dozen or so houses strewn about the haphazard in the midst of the maze of newly built roads. The latter ran here and there, not at right angles, but obliquely in sweeping curves, circles, and whatnot. The houses were all different and distinctive in type, with not a single old-fashioned veranda to be seen. In short, the settlement on the hill aimed to be a modern and artistic suburban development, which, like most of its kind, was still in the early stages of growth. Floral Avenue proved to be at the very end of the development, and everything about it seemed newest and most unfinished. At the corner of it stood a small house of two stories and a half, with dull red shingled roof and trimmings. Beside the door, in big brass figures, was the number 31. That it was the only house on the street seemed to have made no difference to the builder, who doubtless saw all the rest of the houses from 1 to 30 and on indifferently in his mind's eye. Number 31 was very new indeed. The lawn still plainly showed the seams where the strips of turf met and the gravel walks evidently had not been rolled sufficiently, for they were scarred with footprints. Plainly, Jack Cray had not looked for this sort of thing. He paused at the gate and gave his red forehead a thoughtful mopping. Looks as if Griswold didn't know the whole story or forgot this part of it, he speculated. I got the impression that friend Simpson had been living in New Pelham for a long time, but he certainly hasn't been living long in Number 31 Floral Avenue. Besides, this looks like a buying proposition, not a renting one. He ran his tongue along his lips, and a knowing look came into his eyes. I'll bet he squeezed that fund for a few thousands before he raked in the whole bunch, he muttered. A slick little bookkeeping would have done this trick while they were dispersing funds for the immediate needs of the Hantontown sufferers. Some of it went into this house, and if I'm not mighty badly mistaken, and I have a hunch that some more of it went in to buy that electric machine he sported in Hantontown. Without further hesitation, Cray opened the gate and started up the front walk to an oddly shaped little stoop which gave access to the front door. A neatly dressed servant answered his summons. Mrs. Simpson in? Cray inquired. Yes, sir, the girl answered, looking doubtfully at him, but I don't believe she will feel like seeing anyone. She hasn't been very well. I hope she will see me, Cray declared. Please say that I'm Mr. Jones, from the Chronicle and Observer office, and would like very much to see her for a few minutes. The girl was obviously impressed by this information, and without further argument conducted him into one of the rooms off the reception hall and then hurried away to communicate with her mistress with the natural instinct of the detective cray looked keenly about him and there was something that impressed him at once the house he was in was by no means a large one but the furniture seemed to have come from a much smaller house the diminutive hat rack was possibly lost in the square hall the rugs were a little more than patches on the inlaid floor and the stair carpet which he could see through the door, was shabby and too narrow for the stairs. In short, though, John Simpson had recently taken a larger house. He had either been unable to furnish it adequately, or else had been too hurried or careless to do so. "'Mrs. Simpson will see you, sir,' the maid announced, when she returned. She will be down in a few minutes." Presently, the fugitive's wife descended the stairs. She was a small, slight woman, plainly dressed and apparently about forty years of age though her lined face and gray hair caused her to look much older than many women do nowadays at that age. "'You have news of my husband, Mr. Jones?' she asked eagerly, holding her hands out in unconscious pleading so that Cray could see that they had been roughened by hard work. "'It seemed curious that the mistress of such a house should find it necessary to do menial labor.' "'Not yet, Mrs. Simpson, I'm sorry to say,' Cray answered reluctantly. The woman sank into a chair and buried her face in her hands. There was no longer the slightest room for doubt as to her innocence.' Plainly, she knew nothing whatever about the theft, although it might be that some of her worry was due to fear that something of the sort might account for her husband's unprecedented absence. "'It's hard lines, Mrs. Simpson,' the detective said sympathetically. "'Your husband will turn up pretty soon, though, I'm sure.' The wife raised her head and hastily wiped her eyes. "'You—you don't think that he's dead, then?' "'Oh, no, nothing like that,' Cray hastened to assure her. "'Oh, I do hope that you're right, sir.' "'Mrs. Simpson said fervently. "'If he isn't dead, though, or terribly injured and unable to communicate with me, "'what can it possibly mean? "'Have they reported it to the police yet?' "'You mean the office?' "'Yes.' "'Cray shook his head. "'That hasn't seemed necessary. "'At least that's what the office seems to think,' he answered. "'Mr. Simpson isn't in a hospital, though. "'You may be sure.' "'Then where is he?' "'If they don't do something at the office, I shall be obliged to go to the police myself.' I can't understand why it wasn't done long ago. John has been gone days and days now, and he's never before stayed away from home unexpectedly for more than a few hours without letting me know just where he was. I don't understand it. I don't. I don't. I know it's tough, Mrs. Simpson, Cray admitted awkwardly. I wish I had some good news for you, but I came instead to see if you could not tell me something that might throw some light on it. We are naturally very much interested at the office, and they thought I might be able to find out what had happened. Will you help me? Of course, I'll do anything I possibly can, the distracted woman assured him. It's very kind of them, and of you, to take all this trouble. What is it you want to know, though? End of chapter 14